Mickey McGowan joins us. G'day, Mick. How are you? G'day, Cosy. How are you, mate? Looking forward to some decent weather for a change today and tomorrow. It's a novelty, Mick, isn't it? Yeah, no, nah, beautiful weather this time of year. And when that sort of autumn feels around, you know, there's going to be uh, some good horses producing some good stuff on Saturday and even probably tonight at Mooney Valley. Now, I reckon you'll be getting excited uh, with sand down tomorrow. There's some nice horses, and I love it this time of year with the babies because this sort of starts to expose who are the real contenders and who are the pretenders for, like, blue diamonds and golden slippers and so forth. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, love the preludes on offer tomorrow. And I suppose that leads to probably one of the best bets of the day, I think, race four, number one, Charmstone, mm. uh, in the blue diamond prelude for Phillies. It's two dollars thirty in the marketplace at the moment. I just love its recent trial, love its uh, last start win. It took a hundred day freshen, and this filly is something special. I think so. For the punters out there, I think uh, it can be a winner of one of the preludes in the filly's version of the event. All right, uh, beautifully bred by him, Invincible, and uh, you, you just can't knock her. It, uh, the win at Flemington, the Otter, was terrific. Yeah, and that's the reason why I think um, the My Price and Mick Kent Junior Stable have got to be taken seriously at this time of year. They always have a terrific two-year-old in their stable and I see no reason why Charmstone can't get it done tomorrow and catapult itself into probably favouritism for the Blue Diamond. And I think they'll have a big day as a stable because I really like John Thunderstruck as well and mm. the All Stakes over 1,400. Love the recent trial down at Geelong, 420, Jamie Carr up to steer. Even though it's got an awkward gait, first up 1,400 and given horses like uh, Tuvalu and Gentleman Roy and even its stable mate Jack and O. A start, I think the wide open expanse of the Sandown Straight and the long straight that is, I think I'm thunderstruck as a class horse, and at $4.20, I think you can get the job done. How do you assess the English horse, Nugget? Oh, well, what he's done so far is quite emphatic, um, but I just think this is a different race shape. Um, it's probably in the race from an exotic standpoint, but I think there's others that you can entertain, and that's the reason why I'm pretty keen on I'm thunderstruck. We know Mr. Brightside's a very nice horse. I think it'll probably be out the back from its barrier draw, drawn 10 of 10. So I think those two horses are the class horse of the race. And those that are up on speed, I just think they're probably two or three lengths short of the class that we've touched on in Nine Thunderstruck and Mr. Brightside. And I'm talking specifically there, Gentleman Roy, Tuvalu, mm. and even for that matter, Jack and I. Yep. So I think it just keeps coming. I just keep coming back to Nine Thunderstruck. He just appears to be the best horse in the race. First up over 1,400. Big straight, big track. Jamie Carroll time, a run to, to perfection, I think, at $4.20. It's a terrific odds for a horse that I think should be well and truly favourite. Can Corner Pocket win the Carline Cup? Absolutely, it can. It's clearly top pick. There's no question uh, the way it's racing. It can probably try to dictate the race. There's probably one or two others that could press forward, but I think... Uh, with options that uh, you've got, you can either lead and hold the front and dictate and get good control, or if there wants to be something that wants to pressure for the lead, you can sit at its flanks and control the race from that position. Hard fit. Um, it's clearly the top pick, I think, in race eight, number five, uh, corner pocket. Hey, wouldn't you like one as honest as Savannah Cloud? It's in the top it of would. the last eight. Oh. And the thing about Savannah Cloud is probably back to... You know, 1,400 metres, which yeah. I think is ideal for it, and that's in race nine. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, a lot of depth in that race, but I think 1,400 with a claim, um, you know, Phil Stokes is a terrific trainer. Um, it'll certainly be into that race up to its ears, uh, but it's a pretty deep race. There's a lot of chances in the last race. Horse I'm looking forward to seeing there tomorrow, Mick, is the Queensland Uncommon James. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's got a picket fence against its name, Uncommon James, and obviously... With what we've seen of its ability so far, you'd suggest it'll run around favour 
favourite or close to it in uh, in its first up assault in race six on the program, first leg of the quaddy. Uh, but clearly it has to be entertained as one of the top picks in that particular race. And I always get excited when you see a bit of flavour from Sydney, from Queensland, and even tomorrow we've got some horses coming across from Perth, you know, two-year-olds specifically I'm talking about. Um, it just gives, gives the mm. Victorian meeting a bit more flavour. I was just looking at that brave halo in the third. He's unbeaten by Brave Smash, and it just it throws a little the curve ball in there, doesn't it? Well, it does. We know that Barber's a very nice two-year-old for Godolphin, and uh, what he's done has been quite strong in its two wins at, in New South Wales. Um, I know they've got a good opinion of the horse, and that's the reason why it's down here to obviously advance to a blue diamond. But watching the Perth horse and its dominance over in Western Australia, why wouldn't you bring a horse of that nature the way it's won? Um, it's a very good type, and D. Oliver up first up, it tells you that uh, they've got a high opinion of it, mm. and it'll race uh, particularly well in that race tomorrow. Now, what about uh, tomorrow night, Menangle? Can you find one for us? Uh, um, sorry, uh, Melton, rather. Uh, Melton, yeah, we've got the night pistol in race seven, mm. obviously, for Trotters. It's a terrific race. Uh, I reckon the barrier draws have made, made an intriguing affair. It's a group 10 race over 2240 metres, and Sundown's courage is a horse we've been tipping on this program for the last couple of weeks, really, because of its odds and its gate speed. And with Sundown's Courage drawn barrier one at four dollars forty or five dollars fifty in some places, uh, with the big tote, I think um, it can be an each way play. But it's not a moral of, 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 of any sort. But it's clearly an each way play because of its gate speed, where it'll position itself. Because if Majestic Man out in barrier six wants to come out of the gate with Brad Williamson driving, you'd think he might. He's got the option to either hold the front or hand up the lead. And if he does hand up the lead to a horse like Majestic Man, you know it's going to be there at the business end getting the sprint lane because Majestic Man's got the ability to drag it into the uh, sprint lane and even win the race. So I think it's a two-horse play in that uh, race, the Night Pistol Race 7 on the program. Sometimes courage each way, but if you want to have a win bet on both, I'd be back in one and six in that particular race. For a Ruffy's perspective, I think Mafaso Metro, number seven for Johnny Justice, is racing particularly well, and if they overdo it up front, and Sundon's Courage with Ryan Duffy doesn't want to hand up to Majestic Man, Mafaso Metro might be the horse that could probably go around to the death seat and try to control the race when the, uh, the speed out of the race get, comes out of it, and Johnny Just will put his trotter into the race and be very strong at the back end. Talking with Andy Gath about 20 minutes ago. He's about to leave tonight with Catch a Wave for the Powerface Adios of an angle. It'll be exciting to see him go around up there, Mick. Well, he's always exciting because he's a horse mm. of the future. And, you know, I didn't think he could win last week over that spring trip when he was a long way back. But there was an argument, as we put it on the table uh, late last week when we spoke about the AG Hunter Cup. For him to go into that race, it would have been an element of difference and a point of, uh, a, a point of difference. And I think uh, the discretionary powers... Uh, who made the decision, I reckon they heard in their judgment, because I always like to see one of the up-and-coming horses see if they can compete against the best. And if Andy Gaff uh, thinks that that horse is up to that standard by entering a horse into the AG Hunter Cup, you've got to take that with great a deal of confidence, because Andy's had great horses over a long period of time, and he certainly knows if a four-year-old like him can measure up. But uh, all eyes will be at an angle to watch him go around, and that bodes well for the future, because there'll be clashes with Captain Ravishing and even the Queensland horse, Leap to Fame, who a lot of people have forgotten about. Uh, we know it's a sensational uh, four-year-old as well, won the Derby last year, and it's a horse to reckon with when these uh, horses do clash against each other. That'll be a great spectacle. Now, at the Meadows tomorrow night, we've got three Group 1 Zoom Top, Rookie Rebel, and the Tim Lee. Great race. Well, they great race? The over... Australian Cup too, yeah. Yeah, well, they've got, they're all over different distances, and I'm talking the Zoom Top over 730 metres. That's race six at the Meadows on Saturday night. 
Group 1 event, what a race it is. I think if we can narrow it down to three chances, I'm really keen on Moraine Susie um, from Box 2. I just love... It's got a great affinity with the Meadows. It'll get room early because number three, Sarbel, the Western Australian Grey, and very slow out. And I think it's got the potential to burrow through and probably stalk maybe the leader in the Pungaroobi, number seven. And if that's the case, I think Moraine Susie, with the ability it's got to stay well and run 42 mid-30s, I think it's the Greyhound to beat. Corbin Magic from New South Wales for Jody Lord has got a terrific chance. And you'll probably start favourite uh, around the $2.70 mark, but I think Moraine Susie from an each-way base around the four twenty four fifty is the dog to beat in the Zoom top over 730 metres. Uh, race 8 on the program, Cozzy, the rookie rebel over 600. It's a very deep race. And the bar- uh, the box draw has made this an intriguing affair because French Martini from box 1, if it comes out, we know it's a very quick 500-plus metre dog, but also can get 600 metres. We know Jarek Bale's coming back from a probably disappointing run at Warnable where it failed to finish. And for Mark Dalbridge, you know that this greyhound would certainly be right to go into the race because he wouldn't be risking the greyhound of its ability. It won the Sale Cup. And it's basically first up from a you know, that run at Warnable. Aston Velvet in box two. Uh, we know it can run sub you know, 890s first split over the 600, which probably puts it in the firing line. If it leads, it can run well. Amplified from Western Australia is a dog that really will cut hard to the left on box rise, which could allow um, Dookie Devil uh, to be the dog to beat out there in box seven, who ran second in the sale cup behind Jarek Bale. And I think it's got a terrific chance. So I think it's a racing four. French Martini's probably my top pick just in front of number seven. I give chances to three and also two in the Rookie Rebel over 600. What else are you looking at there? Uh, race 10, the 10 Lee yeah. over 525 metres. What a race this is. You've got you know, the uh, New South Wales flavour with She's a Pearl drawn in box four. You've got our queen of the, uh, the greyhound industry and while she's fast in box two and a dog that you and I stick up for Cozzy is Amron Boy in box three I think the winner will come from one of those three greyhounds. On the back of the box draw, I think the New South Wales bitch, she's a pearl, can get the breaks early with Amron Boy missing the start slightly and crashing to the rail McInerney who can jump okay but crosses to the outside. I think she's a pearl's got the mustering ability to cross to the lead and if she's out of trouble out in front I think she becomes a greyhound to beat at four dollars forty, four dollars sixty each way. She'll run about a five oh five, five oh seven first split, and because of that room she'll get, I think she's clearly a horse you have to entertain, a greyhound you have to entertain. Amron Boy, I just love the way this dog chases. He just never gives up. He's got thirteen starts at the Meadows, seven wins, and two placings. He's ran twenty nine forty five. That's his best, and that's the best of this greyhound lot that's in this Temley race. But I think Amron Boy's clearly ended this race up the years. And Calvin Greeno's bitch, well, she's fast. Well, if she comes out, she can run a 5.07. Her average first split time's 5.13 at the Meadows. Five starts, four wins at the track, and a personal best of 29.56. Well, she's fast is clearly in the race, but I think the winner will come from one of those three. All right. Now, you found one at the Valley for us? Uh, tonight, yeah, I think we can kick-start the night with the winner. Uh, race one, number 11, Stateswoman. Um, after 1,500 uh, for the Kavanagh Stable, I think it's perfect. It's got a low draw. In barrier two, and you've got a gun jockey in Blake Shin who's riding in the crest of a wave. I think it looks the winner and can kickstart the punters tonight with a first uh, first race win, and win on the program tonight and get some money for the weekend. All right. How's the uh, the footy going? Keep an eye out for any of the teams there, Mick? Yeah, I went down to the Bulldogs to watch them train this morning, um, and they were in match mode. They started about 10.30, got there about 9.30 to watch their warm-up and all that sort of stuff, but they rolled into... Pretty high-intensity uh, match practice. It was the white team versus the blue team. The white team had most of the senior players in it. 
Bailey Smith was in the blue team because he's come out of probably a little bit of rehab and then we're introducing him to match tempo. Uh, but the, you know, the midfield group of McRae and Libertore and Bontempelli working with English was really good. Down back, Jones has settled in down back. It looks like young Darcy's going to play back behind the ball. He's an exciting young player. He's got great aerial judgment and he reads the cues really well for a young kid who hasn't played at that level a lot of footy a lot of the time. And in front of the ball, it was great to see Norton working in tandem with Hugo Hayden and also Rory, Rory Lobb. So there's going to be a lot of predictability about how they set up. But I think it's also important to look at some of the younger generation players who can make impact through the middle of the ground because I think they just need some more depth through that those prominent midfield roles. And I'm talking about can West go to more centre bounces? Does Garcia get a look in? I think Baker, who's come across from... Oscar Baker's come across from Melbourne. He'll play wing, as will Bailey Williams, the other side, because of Lockie Hunter going to Melbourne. So they need that other wing cover role. Uh, Rourke Smith, we know, can play that role as well. So they're looking in shape for the doggy fans. Um, Bontempelli, as I said two weeks ago, mate, he's in the best form. Physically, I think I've seen him since he was a kid, been introduced to the system. Um, and he's moving around stoppage. His creative hands and his creative feet were certainly on display this morning. Beautiful. Mick, good to catch up. We'll talk to you next week. Good on you, Cosy. Thank you.